Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us. If you're online, thanks for joining us. Uh, just kind of an update so you can know what's going on here. So this Wednesday, I go for my first cataract surgery. They'll do the right eye. So that means those of you on the right side, and you think you get to about the third or fourth row and you can nod off, not anymore. I will see you. Left side, you got another two weeks. You're good, because that's when I have my other one done. Now, those of you who are close to the front row up here, okay, so you're going to need to be alert these next couple weeks, because I asked the guy, hey, am I going to be able to preach? He said, you'll be fine, but just know for those two weeks, you're going to be seeing at a distance in one eye and, and reading at another. So you might be a little disoriented, like reading the thing, like, like next Sunday, I'll be able to read that thing clearly with my right eye. So you're going to have to watch me, make sure I don't fall off the stage. Can you do that for me? And those of you who are online, after that second surgery, I'm going to be able to see in the camera and see you if you're nodding off. So you just be ready. Things are going to be changing fast. A while back, we were going on a trip as a family. I think we were going to Alabama to see my father-in-law. And so I had the car inspected, uh, you know, make sure the belts don't break on me, make sure the brakes work so we can stop, and, and so on and so forth. And I, I came to pick up the car, and he said, Andy, did you check your spare? Because I didn't. It was flat. And I had never thought about that. I, you know, I, I thought about the engine and the this and that and tires, but yeah, if, if you, and this is before roadside service and all this stuff, and you know, it's, that's a part of being prepared for a trip having a spare that can get you down to the next exit or whatever you might need. Well, with that in mind, you know, we think about proclaiming the gospel. We want to be Christ in our community, and that's not new or unique to us as a church. Churches all around the city and state and around the world, they want to be representing Christ well. Uh, the, the church is the hope of the world. But where does this call to care for people to serve the needy fit in? to the umbrella. That's what we want to talk about this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to Acts chapter 6, um, we're going to go through verses 1 through 7. We're going to ask the question, what is the relationship between proclaiming the gospel and serving the needy? What is the relationship between proclaiming the gospel and serving the needy? Just to get you up to speed where we've been, uh, two weeks ago we took a break from our um, Sermon on the Mount and we talked about our three elements. We see these as critical Everybody being involved that we can be about being Christ in our community. The first one was grow. We said, you know, how do we measure whether we're growing? Well, we looked at Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we said, as our priorities change to fit Christ's priority, we can know we're growing. When I was a little boy, my dad would put us up against the wall between the kitchen and the dining room, and he would just mark. We had John, Andrew, and Jim. He'd mark where we were in the date, and you could measure. Well, how do we measure that? What we talked about is changing priorities, and some of those priorities played out in relationships. We're, we're, we're loving, we're giving ourselves away, we're submitting, and, and we're s suspending our rights for the good of others. Well, last week we talked about connecting, and, and we looked at Elijah, and he had done this awesome stand of faith, taking on 450 prophets of Baal, but then he ran when the queen threatened his life, and what happened? Well, he felt, he said, I'm alone. He said a number of times, I am alone, and his faith withered, and we talked about the fact that we need each other Grow and connect are related. If we're not connected, we're not going to be growing. Our faith that we want to grow will wither. And so today we want to talk about service, particularly of the needy. So to set the stage on our passage in Acts 6, um, Jesus ascended into heaven, 
and poured out his spirit in the disciples. And this is recorded in Acts 2, what we call Pentecost. Uh, they begin to speak in tongues. You get people come from all kinds of nations and people could hear them. And somebody said, oh, they're drunk. And Peter said, we're not drunk. The spirit has come upon us and he proclaimed the gospel. And he said to the Jews, you put the savior of the world according to the plan of God. You put him on the cross. But now there's forgiveness of sin if you would turn to him. And so 3,000 people did that day. And shortly thereafter, um, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray, and there was a guy who was, he was poor, and he was begging. And he um, said, you got any coins? And Peter said, no, man, I'm flat out of coins. I only carry a card. That's not what he said. But he said, I, you know, silver and gold have I none, but I, have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk, and the guy does. Well, that created a stir. And man, the disciples get hauled in by the authorities. You can't say this. Well, whether or not we can say it, you determine that among yourselves. But we're going to keep talking about Jesus. And they're, they're threatened and they're persecuted. And so uh, this is a dynamic time. I mean, the church is launched and it's going. And so we read in chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this time, while disciples were increasing in number, they sure were. What happens? A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Not surprisingly, there's a complaint here. And um, some people are being neglected. Now, the, the Jewish system, they had a, a way of caring for, for widows, but because these people had identified with Jesus, uh, they were probably being forgotten in the Jewish system. And so... The Hellenistic Jews were people who spoke Greek. And the native Jews, quote unquote, well, they spoke English. No, you're right, they didn't. I was just testing you. They spoke Aramaic, just to see if you were paying attention. So next week, two weeks from now, I'll be able to see, were you paying attention or not? And so there's a cultural divide here, and there are some people who are saying, hey, we're being forgotten. What do we do about this? Verse 2, so the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. So these 12 have a unique commission to preach the gospel and to be praying for the, the gospel going forth. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. So we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to keep doing our thing, which is proclaiming the gospel, but we want, we're going to get your group together. We want you to pick seven, and they're going to give leadership to this to make sure nobody gets neglected in caring for the widows. So we've got two seemingly needs or calls in tension. One is proclaiming the gospel. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 Peter says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You were called by God, what? That you might be proclaiming him to the world. That, that's our function as a church. That's why we talk about being Christ in our community, that we might proclaim Jesus. But there's this call to take care of the needs, too. Uh, 
And Jesus talks about that in Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them and say, truly I say to you to the extent that you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. So Jesus is holding up the priority of meeting the needs, of meeting um, people who have physical needs. So that's what they've done. They've found some people among themselves to do this because this is a priority. They again say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement, verse 5, found approval with the whole congregation. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. They're commissioning them. You're overseeing this because this is a priority. And what happens as a result? Verse 7, the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So they did not neglect the needy. They did not say, oh, we don't have time for that. That's not a priority. No, no. It, they saw that as a part of the continued mission of proclaiming Jesus. So we're asking this question, what's the relationship between, between proclaiming the gospel and serving the needy? Serving the needy is a priority of the gospel. Serving the needy is a priority of the gospel. Now, there were 12 that had a unique commissioning, but I would argue that all the rest of us have a both and. We're proclaiming the gospel, and we're caring for the needy. So Stephen is the first one mentioned here among the seven. Verse 5 describes Stephen as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Well, we won't take the time to read the next three verses after that, Acts 6, 8 through 10, but it says Stephen started doing signs and wonders. And he began to confound the Jews in the synagogue talking about Jesus. Um, well, his argument was so strong that um, he was dragged before the Sanhedrin and he began to call them out saying, you have um, always been resistant to God. You always fought back against God. Well, as a result, they ended up stoning him. Stephen had a both-and commission. He was proclaiming the gospel, and he was taking care of the needy. The apostle Paul, in Galatians 2, um, he was given the commission of taking the gospel to the Gentiles. That was a, a big deal. And in Galatians 2, verse 10, Paul said they commissioned them. The only thing they told me is to make sure I remembered the poor the very thing I was eager to do. So this commissioning uh, of meeting spiritual needs and serving the needy is a both and. And we are called to be doing both. And so I, I ask you to consider who are the needy? What do they look like? Well, you think, oh, it's somebody that doesn't have uh, food or somebody doesn't have clothes. That would certainly be it. But you know, it might be somebody who needs a ride. 
It might be somebody who needs something fixed and you have that ability. It might be somebody who's alone in the cafeteria and they have no friends. Would you be the one to sit by them? Maybe it's a technology gap. There's a person that didn't grow up with technology and they don't know and this email, text, social media thing, it's, it's really confounding to them. And they need someone to come alongside them. So in 2005, I got my first cell phone. It was a flip phone. And that thing lasted for me eight years. Well, in 2011, we hired Jared Harps to be our student pastor. And every time I pulled out my flip phone, he went, oh. And I'm sure, I think he was praying that thing would break. Well, finally it did. In 2013, I emailed him, Jared, my phone broke. Good. That's the answer I got from him. Good. I said, what do I do? Go to the Verizon store. Where's the Verizon store? I said, buddy, you just need to be clear in your week because you're going to be explaining this thing to me. So we go to the Verizon store, and you know what he asked me? Do you want a droid or an iPhone? I don't know. What do you have? iPhone. I'm getting an iPhone. What kind do you want? I don't know. What kind do you got? Okay, that's what we're getting. And just clear your week for the next week because you're going to be explaining this stuff to me. I was one of those digital Neanderthals, and I needed someone to come alongside. There are a variety of needs out there. Who can we find? Where can we see people who have needs? Because that is the gospel. See, all the way back to Genesis, when God went into covenant with his people, he said, you take care of the vulnerable, because I care about the vulnerable. You take care of the widow. You take care of the orphan. That is the gospel living out. And ultimately, Jesus came and laid down his life. He served for us that we might know him. In fact, James, in his epistle, in his letter, a letter that Martin Luther, by the way, if he had had his way, would have excluded from the canon because it seemed to say, we're saved by our works, but what James was saying is, no, our faith is proven true by our works. James 2, verse 18, he says, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Our faith, remember, we're growing in our faith. That is being played out as we care and we serve others. And so this grow and connect and serve are related. Talked about it last week. We're growing in our faith. Our priorities are changing. But we need others. Elijah showed it that we need others. The, the New Testament is full of one another passages. Um, lest our faith withered. Well, I would say to you that serving is a great way to connect. So the first Sunday of every month, a bunch of us go over to the Center for People in Need. And, and we bag food. And there were about 12 of us who went last time. That was a great way to connect. We had a great time doing that. I encourage you to get on our, our webpage and look at the Serve tab. We have multiple opportunities. If you're looking to connect, service is a way to do this. Grow, connect, serve. All three of these are related. You know, ever, over the last, I don't know, eight, ten weeks, I, uh, my time frame is not exact, you know, I've officiated uh, two funerals of people who were a part of this body. And of course, family will come to a funeral. But what was interesting to me is the other people that came were uh, the people that 
were these deceased, were they served? Were they connected? So the first one was Bev Leeds. Bev was very involved in our women's ministry. She served, she helped set up, she, she was involved with that. Well, guess who showed up at Bev's funeral? Guess who spoke well of Bev, who, who shared memories? Bev had a, an impact beyond her family because she chose to serve and connect and grow. A few weeks later, Harvey Humphrey passed away. Same deal. Family sure showed up, but who else? Well, Harvey was involved in men's ministry. So a bunch of men showed up. I remember I served food with Harvey down at First Pres and Jacob's Well. He was connected there. You know, when you pass, what kind of an impact are you going to have? Well, I would suggest part of that way that question is going to be answered is, where have you grown? Where have you been connecting and where have you been serving? Harvey and, and Bev, I would say, left us a legacy, a picture of how to live this out. Years ago, I read the book Built to Last. Jim Collins, he's pretty well known. He's written a bunch of books on successful businesses. He wrote it with Jerry Porras. But this was his first book, and they picked about eight companies that um, stood the test of time. And what they found out is they had principles from which they didn't veer. Well, one of those companies was Nordstrom. And Nordstrom was committed radically committed to service. So if you got short with a customer, you got, you know, it's the fifth pair of boots you've tried on, you're not going to, you got, you're set home. The customer rules. And if there were heroic acts of service, those were noted. They even had pep rallies regionally to highlight service. And then if you did really, really, really well and went above and beyond, you got to meet and shake hands of the three brothers that founded Nordstrom. And that was a big deal in their culture. All right, if that's true with a company, a for-profit company, that service, how much more with Jesus and the gospel? And apparently if shaking the hands of, of these three brothers was that big a deal, how much more hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, well done, because at the Last Supper, Jesus took on a towel, took on a basin, and washed the disciples' feet, modeling humble service to them. How much more should we be following his lead, that example? See, serving the needy is a priority in proclaiming the gospel. After I pray, we'll sing a song called, I Will Follow. Would you make that a prayer? In particular, following Jesus across the board, but in particular, I will follow your model, your incarnation of service. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for this word, this challenging word, and you call us to follow you in, in every way. Um, Lord, that we would um, be people who follow radically. Lord, that uh, we would be known for our service. In Jesus' name, amen.